And this is Ryan. You're listening to CG Cycle Hum, the guitar, buying, selling, trading, fixing, modding, breaking, reviewing, playing, uh, photoing, something else podcast. Yay, we're back. Photoing? Photographing, Is that Steve. a thing? Photoing. Instagramming. Don't photo me. Ah, you photoed me. Oh, I stole your soul to put in my guitar so it has more mojo. <laughs> uh, if only you could do that. If you could take a picture of someone who played good. And then take the memory card out of your out of your camera and jam it into your guitar, and you got their mojo. <laughs> you stole their soul and put it directly in your in your guitar. You know what? Maybe you cannot write Gibson, and that will be the next new piece of technology they put in their, <laughs> one of their soul capture the, the 2016. Maybe that's really what the uh, Fender uh, Fender American Deluxe Plus. Uh, Stratocaster is all about. The is one that, that the one with the, the drop-in cartridge thing? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. probably what it is. It's Soul Capture. Soul Capture. <laughs> There's something strange. Oh, my gosh. I am not afraid of any ghosts. Have you heard about the the new the female Ghostbusters? I have. I've heard rumors about it. I haven't heard a lot, though. Yeah. I, I, I you know, I, I try to have high hopes on things that I'd like to see done well, but I know in my heart that they're probably not going to be done well. Well, Bill Murray like put together his dream cast. Right. And apparently Paul, I think the guy's name is Paul Fig or Paul Paul Fig. Uh-huh. Uh he's the guy that did Bridesmaids. I'm not sure what else he's done. Um is slated to direct Ghostbusters 3. Well, might might be good. And Bill Murray put together like this all-female cast that he wants to see in it and it's like Melissa McCarthy. I forget who all's on it, but I think it was like. Are there are there any guitars in it? No. Okay, let's change the topic. Okay. <laughs> Dang it! <laughs> Denied. Uh, <laughs> all right, man. Well, so what's new with you? Oh man. Uh, so I got the SG a while back, and uh, I when I was putting it all together because it came disassembled basically as much as a Gibson SG can come disassembled. Right. Didn't have any of the pickups or pots or pickguard or anything like that in it. And as I was putting it together, I was like, you know, this would really look good with a cream humbucker in it. Hey, I have a cream humbucker, like, sitting in one of my parts boxes uh, in the closet. And so I went and rummaged around, and I found the, this cream humbucker that came with this guitar body I bought for, like, 30 or 50 bucks. I can't remember. It was so long ago. Right. But it's super dirt cheap. Uh, it's my Explorer project that I have. And it came with this humbucker in it. And I ended up swapping it out for something different later. And I pulled it out and I looked at it and there's a sticker on the back that says the JB model. And this thing is double cream. And suddenly I made the connection of what this thing is. Because I bought this thing back before I knew what it was and just threw it in a box. Well, it's uh, double cream. So it's, must, it's DiMarzio, right? It's not DiMarzio. What? I know, right? If uh, if you're not on the up and up, DiMarzio holds the uh, the copyright of the trademark on double cream humbuckers, and uh, so this if this isn't a DiMarzio, then what is it? It's a Seymour Duncan pre lawsuit double cream uh, because DiMarzio sued Seymour Duncan after they put these out and said you can't do that. We have the copyright. Right. Blah blah blah. Legal stuff, legal stuff. Here's our lawyer. And so there's a limited amount of Seymour Duncan JB models that are double cream out there. And they all fetch like 
200 something dollars. Like Jeez. they go for big money. And so I got really excited. I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to drop this $200 pickup into this SG I got for 250 bucks. And I started hooking up to the multimeter and instantly became frustrated <laughs> because it only tests. What was I saying? It tests at like, like four point or like no, four eight. seven or something like that. No, wasn't it like eight? No, 8.1? 8.1 would be closer to normal. Not for one of these. It tests low. It doesn't test. I thought it tested 8. No, it was testing real low. And it was jumping. It was jumping in yes, between like 4.7 4. and like 2.3 or something like that. And I was like, oh no, something's wrong with this. Some messing around with it. I figured out that one of the coils is completely dead on it. Yeah. I tried to take it all the way apart and see if there was a physical break that I could see in it. And I got it to the point where the two coils were separated off of the plate and all, you know, the, the, uh, the fabric wrap was off of it. And I was looking at everything. I was looking at where the wires connect into the actual coils of the pickup and I didn't see any break. So I don't know what's wrong with it or if it can be fixed. So, you know, it's still really cool that I have it. It's in really beat up shape. The guy I bought it from had painted on it and put like, permanent marker that i had been able to wipe off right uh but it's still you know a collector's piece i'm thinking i'm gonna stick it up on ebay or reverb with full disclosure of what's going on with it and someone out there who knows how to fix pickups might see it and pick it up you know i might be able to get 50 bucks for this which is pretty good for a pickup that's half broken yeah if i got 50 bucks i'd still be pretty stoked because that pace for the guitar that I got I it out of. I would double check that reading. I'm I swear you were telling me it was like 8. Point something. You can go grab the multimeter. It's on the on the thing upstairs. It's too far. Yeah, okay, too far. Too far, but if it's half of a JB, it should be like 8.2. I don't know, man. Is the JB's over 16? Maybe I need to mess around with this thing more. Maybe it does work. But <laughs> no cuz I don't know. It was not testing right. You tested it a few weeks ago, didn't you? Yeah, I thought I, I thought I was getting like eight something. The Man. one you're getting like four with was on the, one of the SG pickups. Oh, that's right. Yeah. What if this thing does work? Well, if it's only measuring eight, it doesn't work. Right. It should measure 16. Well, I think the issue is that half the half the connections on it yeah, were, like were the, testing zero. The, the red to green, I think, wasn't working. Yeah, that's... Okay, so that's what it was. It was so testing like, zero. Yeah, the whole like back end of it doesn't test. But So I could use this and it would look good in a guitar, but then it would be basically permanently coil tapped. Yeah, yeah. You would have a humbucker size single coil. Right. And for what it's worth, the JB is supposedly one of the few mass-produced humbuckers that sounds good split. Right. Because it is so hot to begin with. Right. That at 8.2, it has like a pretty good output. Whereas if you have like a PAF style and you split that thing down, like your output drops below or drops down to like four. Yeah, I guess real Four weak. and a half. It's, it's really weak. I've always just found that coil split humbuckers don't have much character either. They, right. they just sound like half a humbucker instead of sounding like a full single coil. Yeah. So that's my take on it. But it's an interesting thing I've got here. I'm excited to see what I'm going to do with it. If I sell it, someone out there is going to be stoked because they'll know what it is and know that they want to work on oh, it. Oh, sure. But it's just wild that I had this thing that's a collector's item just in a parts box. Right. Didn't know what it was. Maybe you'll sell it to some guy that rewinds pickups and that's will what I'm only thinking. rewind that coil. There might be someone listening to the podcast right now 
who winds pickups. I wouldn't be surprised. I think we only have like seven listeners. <laughs> That's not true, Steve. All right, eight. We have like uh like fourteen thousand or fourteen hundred downloads this week. <laughs> uh, we'll yeah, talk so, about that later. We'll so talk- speaking of this, we can talk about it right now. Okay, you talk about that right uh, now. So speaking about that, uh so we recently migrated to Podbean. Yeah. Um one of our listeners, uh, Jimmy 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 Junior Smith. Junior Jimmy um, Jr. Jr. Smith. <laughs> Jr. Smith is like a douchebag basketball player. Is it? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um uh he hooked us up with a Podbean account, so we got that thing going. Uh so so far, one of two things has happened to you if uh you are listening to this podcast, either or you might not be listening uh, to this podcast. Either you have not been able to download this through iTunes for some reason. Uh, though the podcast app, it should work through the podcast yeah. app. Uh, but it hasn't been updated in the iTunes music store for some reason. So if you're, I, I forget, I don't know how it's set up. Um, so either you haven't been able to listen to the last couple episodes like automatically. Or uh, maybe like a week ago. Your phone suddenly tried to download every episode of 60 Cycle Hum. Yeah. Um, so because of that, um, our, that's just, it happened when we migrated. I, I don't know how to work around that. I don't know if there's a way I could have worked around that. We'll work out the kinks eventually. Um, but it's done. Like everything's up. And um, the what makes it really confusing is for last week, we had like over a thousand downloads of the podcast. Yeah. But if you look, if we looked at the stats for that, it was like, a ton of our older podcasts got like 40 instant downloads. Yeah. So that's what happened is, you know, everyone, you know, like a certain portion of our listeners got automatic downloads to their iTunes account and that registered. Yeah. And then a certain amount of you actually listened. So apologies to you guys who had to delete 36 episodes of 60 cycle. Um, and I did that on my iTunes. It took a second. It took me a little longer. Okay. I did it on my phone. So. Oh, okay. I didn't even mess around with my phone. Oh. No. Yeah. <laughs> my microphone's all weird. Yeah, it keeps dropping on you, huh? Is it dropping? I don't know. It looks like it was dropping. Whatever. This is really interesting radio right here. Yeah. It's all not right. even radio. It's um, podcasting. Uh, so, what? oh, I had a reverb sale. Yeah. My very first time ever selling a pedal or anything on reverb. Or where I have to ship anything, uh, I had a ash bass or ash base. Uh, ash bass. I know, right? I always mess that up. Oh. I have an ash base uh, fuzz bright pedal, which is a clone of the Moserite fuzz right, and I just wasn't using it, and I decided I should just you know sell this and get rid of it. I put it up on Reverb. It sold. Like immediately, like I put it up at like nine o'clock at night. I woke up the next morning and it had sold. Uh, I got to go to the post office and figure out how to ship stuff. Realized I'd never shipped anything through the post office before. <laughs> and so I felt super awkward and weird about it. And I just couldn't figure it out. And I walked up to the counter. I was like, how do I send this? And I like put just the pedal unwrapped like on the counter. Did you really? I did. And he's like, uh, let me figure that out. And oh so my god. He like pulled out an envelope and he's like, Can we stick it in here? I was like, Yeah, you shipped that's it fine. in an envelope? Yeah, well padded envelope. Dude. I forgot to box that. I put it in a little bit of foam. Okay. No, that's but... how I have you ever I've gotten pedals in envelopes. Yeah. 
but some guy's going to receive that and then they're going to post a picture on, on P-dubs <laughs> and they're going to be like, look at this jerk that just put this pedal in here. What if it got stomped on? It's supposed to get stomped on. What if it got run over by a truck? <laughs> that I don't thing, know. That thing was pretty beefy. It was. It would take a lot to ruin that pedal. So if you guys don't really know uh, what we're talking about, the the Fuzz Right was a clone of the Fuzz Bright. Yeah, is I that said right? that like two minutes right. ago. But the, but this, no, no, I know you said <laughs> that. But if you don't know what the Fuzz Bright is, uh, the Fuzz Bright is basically, uh, it was one of the first Fuzz pedals. A very early Fuzz pedal from um, the 60s. And it is, uh, I mean... It, so it's one of these fuzz pedals that was originally designed to emulate a shredded speaker. Yeah. And probably uh, the most famous iteration, if I'm getting this, my memory correct, is uh, Satisfaction. No, that's the the uh, Maestro fuzz. That's, I thought that was, is that not the fuzz bright? That's not the fuzz bright. Okay, what's, what, uh, what am fuzz, I thinking of? Fuzz bright gets used a lot in old spaghetti westerns. Oh, okay. And uh, older, kind of like surf tunes. You know, it got used in a lot of psychedelic tracks, too, and, and rock and roll right. tracks. It's a, it's a pretty classic 60s fuzz, but it's very different from your modern, well, I say modern, but you know what I mean, uh, your fuzz faces and your big muffs and, yeah. and things like that. It's it's probably closer to like a like a shinny fuzz. Right. Yeah. A little, or like a, or like a Univox super fuzz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In in the sound, not in the design at all, because those those Japanese fuzzes had a lot of stuff in them. Oh, really? Yeah. The the fuzz probably had like six components in it, but it had kind of that similar squashy, freaked out kind of sound. Yeah, yeah. Just with less parts. Just with- <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> oh man, is there anything else we want to talk about for yeah, new stuff? Uh, just a reminder: if you guys haven't voted yet, and I know you haven't, because we only have like. 15 20 votes, votes yeah. 15 votes. Um, I'm still looking, excuse me, to buy a Big Ear NYC pedal. Right now, I know the woodcutter is in the lead, and I think either the Zidelay or the Shaka is in second right now. I think it's the delay. Is it the delay? Yeah. Um, so get on there and uh, vote, yo. It's on Facebook. If you're on Facebook, join the group. Facebook.com slash groups <laughs> slash 60 cycle hum. Look for us. We'll be your friends. It's we'll cool. be your best friend. BFFs. Yeah. That's pretty much all we exist for is to be uh, people's friends? secret guitar friends that they can talk about all this nerdy stuff with without boring their real friends. <laughs> I mean, we, we have a lot of friends who are musicians but even then, we have people in our life. It's like we want to talk to about talk to. Dude, this. even our friends who are yeah. musicians don't want to hear about the stuff that we buy. We want to talk about this stuff, and they're like, "Okay, we don't care." This is, you know, we do this podcast and we do the Facebook group and Instagram and the other forms of communication. Kind of is our own way of just having a big friends group where we all got <laughs> get to just nerd out on all this stupid stuff that the, the, doesn't really matter. I saw a thing the other day where a guy was leaving a guitar group. Uh huh. And he said he was leaving it because, and I understand this. Like, uh, he said he was leaving it because it, it was taking time away from his family. Uh huh. But and I'm that's like just general Facebook addiction. Sure. Uh, but he was also saying that his wife was getting mad because whenever they were together, he would just talk about guitar stuff. Oh man. Yeah, I tried to pick that stuff, like make it like super. 
like, oh, this one is really good before I tell my wife about anything, you know? And sometimes like, cause we work in, we work both work from home and we're sitting in the same room at our computers and I'll just be laughing at something. And she's like, Oh, what, what are you laughing at? And like, I, I don't know how to explain it. Yeah. You're not going to understand this, this joke about impedance. You don't want to know. <laughs> you don't want to know about yeah. the 50th posting of the oceans drummer. Yeah, I don't want to have to explain ohms to you to make a joke. <laughs> Oh my god. Should we get into ads? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You want to hit one of yours first? Sure. We got this from Meg, our recent co-host. Yeah, last last episode. Uh she sent this to us uh she was apparently looking through her hometown of Reno, uh yeah. their Craigslist. I know what it, you know, we call it Craigslist tourism when we go to a city we're not in. What does it, what do you call it if you go to your hometown that you no longer live in on Craigslist? Um, what would that be called? Stalkerism. <laughs> More, well, I mean, for what it's worth, she is going back to Reno, I think, soon to visit. So yeah, for visiting. You know, so. Yeah, maybe she's checking out what's on the market. Yeah, well, let's give her the benefit of the doubt. Sure, sure. Uh, so this says, bass guitar with case, contact me for any questions. They're asking five hundred dollars. Um, in the picture, this looks like a Rickenbacker bass. Rickenbacker, Rickenbacker, Rickenbacker. It's to my eye, it's pretty clearly a a copy. I don't know the Rickenbacker bass as well enough. Uh, the one thing that I know is a big was a big red flag when she sent this in initially was that it's missing the truss rod cover. Yeah. So there's not actually anything on here that identifies this as a Rickenbacker base. And the truss rod cover on a Rickenbacker is the nameplate. Like, yeah. it's really big. It says Rickenbacker on it. No one's going to take that off and leave it off. Yeah. Now, I mean, I suppose this could be like a the 1970s, like a Ibanez copy, because Ibanez and these different companies yeah. did it in the 70s. That's probably what it is. Um. And if that's the case, like $500 actually is a pretty good price for one of those. Oh, yeah. Um, for one, if this is a Chinese clone, um, counterfeit, whatever you want to call it. 250 at best. Uh, yeah. I think you can actually buy these if you have, I, the problem is, is you have to, I think you have to buy like 10 at a time, but you can, <laughs> you can buy these for like 150 bucks a piece. Oh, really? That cheap? Yeah. Man. But you have to buy 10 of them. Yeah. And then you have to try to sell them and then you get arrested. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and then if you if you had bought it from a chinese company it would have had the nameplate and been a pretty blatant counterfeit yeah um these are the rickenbacker bass in general is a bass that i've always thought looks really cool um i've never played one but people i've talked to that have played i've run into people like when i'm uh in fact the guy I sold my jazz bass to a couple months ago he uh -huh. owned one and what he was saying about it is like it's it's a bass that like once you play one you either hate it or right. you fall in love with it and if you fall in love with it you will never want to play anything else yeah because you're lemmy yeah <laughs> i've messed around with them a couple times i've played rickenbacker guitars a couple times they are definitely different guitars yeah uh, and it's like you said you either love it or you hate it and if you love it then that's all you can do for the rest of your life uh, they're really unique. The necks feel really unique. The hardware is really unique. Uh, I'm surprised Rickenbackers haven't made like kind of a rock resurgence recently because we have this whole thing right now. And 
I know for for me, like I see this more in like church circles, but it's really everywhere where sure. where Gretsch is coming back. It's an and, indie indie rock sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, it's an indie rock thing with a lot of Gretsch and a lot of not to a lesser extent Dusenberg like a, few, a couple years ago. Yeah. When Tom Petty played the Super Bowl, his guitar player was had a Dusenberg. Yeah. Um uh but just this kind of like jangly-ish or like traditionally jangly instrument. Sure. Um like the Gretsch, the filter filtertron style uh pickup um they all uh they're kind of in this resurgence right now. And I'm kind of surprised that Rickenbacker hasn't been able to ride that wave. That is interesting, especially kind of the some of the Rickenbacker like Beatle guitars. Exactly. Uh, it's really surprising to not see people picking those up when they are picking up Gretsch's and, like you said, Duesenberg's and various other uh, smaller guitar companies and stuff like that. Yeah, and maybe at least in the case of Gretsch, it's more of a price point issue because you can get like an Electromatic Series Gretsch for – you know, but the people five eight hundred dollars. The people who are into that stuff are getting the three thousand dollar guitars. Yeah, like pretty frequently. I'm surprised Rickenbacker hasn't come in like you're saying. Uh, maybe we're on the edge of that. But we'll I, see. Yeah, I thought that ad was interesting though, just because I've been wary for a long time of any used Rickenbacker, just because I know there's so many counterfeits out mm. there, and because you don't see them in person very often. I'd be worried that I wouldn't be able to spot a counterfeit right. in it's person. Not, it's like it's almost harder because there's just kind of less information out yeah. there. Yeah, where if I if you put a a counterfeit strat in front of me, I'd probably be able to figure it out really quick. Yeah, just because of certain details. With a you know, you put a less ball in front of me, I'd probably be able to figure it out. You know, in a bit of time, but I would figure it out. Uh, a Rickenbacker, I'd have, I probably wouldn't know unless something was really wrong. And I took it to someone who knew Rickenbackers. And then you would have paid like a bunch of money for it. Yeah. And then I would have been like, oh, yeah, I thought this thing felt really weird, but I thought that was just like a Rickenbacker thing. Right. I remember playing one of their uh, 360s Uh in a store. I think it was the, I can't remember if it was the 360 or the 36012, but either way, I think it was a regular 360. And like the neck was really weird to me. Yeah, they're different. Because it was really narrow. Yeah. But it was like the thickest neck I had ever played. Yeah. It's it's they're really interesting. And like I just it was it was weird. That's all I, I mean, I don't know how else to what else to say yeah. about it. It was just it was just different. Yeah. Uh let's hit another ad. Sure. We've got another bass guitar here. This one was sent to us from Co or by Co, uh another one of our past uh co hosts. Man, we're hitting all the all the Previous hosting types. Yeah. Uh, all the previous hosting types? Yeah. People? We're, yeah, sure. Uh, it's We usually record earlier on a Saturday, like noon on a Saturday. It's Friday. It's the end of the day this time. Yeah. Uh, we're both feeling a little I tired. Ha- I happy houred at work. Yeah. I don't know if you can hear it in our voices, but we're, we're, uh, we're fighting the sleep a little bit. Uh, this is... Really interesting. This is a 1970s Ovation Magnum II bass with an explanation point after bass. Bass! <laughs> bass! Onboard EQ2 model. Uh, it is on reverb right now for $995. That is uh, or $850 plus $49 shipping. I'm not sure how that math works out. But uh, Ovation 
believe it or not, the company that makes the weird plastic-backed, loot-looking guitars uh, during the 70s and even into the 80s, they made some funky, weird electric instruments. Are these bases? I looked it up at the time. I just don't remember. Are these bases like carrying that high of a price tag now? Uh, I looked at the completed listings on eBay, and uh, they go kind of in the 850 range. Wow. I saw one that went as low as 675 with only two bids. Right. Uh, so you know, I'm sure there's not a lot of people looking for them. If you're looking for one and there's one up, you might get lucky. But uh, this one is up for nine ninety five on Reverb. Like I said, uh, you're not going to find another bass like this. No, Just really weird shape. The top end of it looks almost like a squished, like Mustang bass or Bronco bass. Right. The bottom end of it is bizarre. <laughs> like it does this whole weird wave fin thing with a really short lower horn. It's got crazy hardware on it, like this big piece of metal that's holding a small bridge pickup that looks like a single coil and some kind of crazy huge neck pickup, like huge biggest pickup I've ever seen. It's got all kinds of, uh, oops, <laughs> onboard electronic slides and switches and stuff like that. Uh, you know, it comes out of that time in the seventies where people wanted all sorts of funky stuff. That bass pickup just looks like a normal bass humbucker. The, ne- the neck pickup. Yeah. Thing looks huge. Think about, think about like the Gibson EBO. It's not as big as you that. You don't think a mudbucker is that big? I'm looking at it on the floor like five feet away <laughs> because Ryan can't pass a piece of paper to save his it's life. It's hard. You're you're like five feet away. I know. I yeah. know. Um, but the bridge on this thing is out of control. Yeah. Huge metal bridge. Uh, you know, giant pieces of metal were big in the 70s. It was a sustain concept. Like, oh, just put big heavy stuff on guitars and they'll sustain like a piano was the hope anyways. <laughs> right. Uh, All this being said, if you find an Ovation electric guitar or electric bass for cheap and like you can afford it, you just jump. Get it? Just be just to have something weird for a while and then yeah. resell it if you don't like it. They're weird. I've always heard the Breadwinners and that whole series of electric guitars were really, really solid players. Yeah. I mean, you think about like Ovation's acoustic guitars. Ovation's acoustic guitars won in the 80s. Everybody played them. Everybody played them. This is my take on Ovation. This is the take that every person should have. Just kidding. Think whatever you want to think. This is America. Uh, it's not America. It's the internet. It is the internet. We have listeners outside of America. We, we actually do. And with Podbean, we can actually track that a lot better. We could track that on the other thing, too. But, but Podbean tracks... I think Podbean is a lot more accurate. I think it's... <laughs> In real time, too. It is in real time. Yeah. And Podbean tells us what client they're using, which is almost creepy. Yeah, that's kind of creepy. Uh, but anyway, um, the whole thing with Ovation is I very rarely played an Ovation guitar, at least of their like higher, like say $500 and above yeah. acoustics that I thought felt like crap. Like I always feel like they make very playable instruments. Yeah. They just happen to sound like crap. Here's here's the thing about Ovation. Ovation got huge because I think... I might be wrong on this, but the impression I've always had is that they got huge because they were one of the first companies where you could buy a guitar off the shelf, and like an acoustic guitar, and it had built-in electronics ready to go plug into stage. And that was a huge thing for people... 
Uh, you didn't have to go cut a hole in your Martin or something like that. Uh, people liked the whole like round back thing for the look of it. I think they thought, Oh, this is like a cool, like folk instrument or something. Right. Uh, that was always a sore point for me. Cause you can't, they feel weird when you stand with them. They're neat. Yeah. They're neat when you sit with them. Cause they just suck into your gut. Like they just suction into you. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, especially if you're shirtless and you're a little sweaty, they'll just stick. Oof, that's disgusting. <laughs> but standing with an ovation is really bizarre. Ovation has a really interesting, like history. Do you well, know? Do you says, know anything about like where Ovation came from? Um, not exactly. The guy who started Ovation, his he had a factory that manufactured helicopters, and he was like, "Hey, I like playing guitars. Maybe I should make a guitar too, but I'll make it my way with my helicopter manufacturing equipment." And that's where like the round back thing came from. Like is from making helicopters, like whatever he, oh, equi- huh. whatever equipment he had around to do, like plastic molding or forming or something. Right, that's what he did. Well, on I'm, so I'm looking at the Wikipedia page, and it says that uh, he felt there were structural weaknesses in the orthogonal joining of the sides that a composite material could provide with a smooth could provide a smooth, and that a composite <laughs> material could provide a smooth body. Uh, so. Now, this is one thing that is is really true, and this was the thing I remember hearing when I first started getting into guitar, uh, was that one of the big uh, things with Ovation is that the round body really rejects feedback well. Sure. And so it made them like really good stage guitars. Yeah. That's funny, yeah. Does it say the bit about being a helicopter factory? Yeah, uh, Charles came in, it had a, has a, his background uh, is... Uh, for the helicopter design company came in aircraft uh-huh uh, and he started uh a co- or ovation in the mid 1960s um and Cayman became a music company that's bought and sold all kinds of different companies and they were owned by fender for a while and i think they're, i believe they are currently owned by fender currently owned by fender and that is what uh because Cayman eventually became the owners of uh of uh Hamer, right? Yeah, they own Hamer. Yeah. So I believe uh so this is the list and a bunch of other companies. Here's the list of KMC Music Corp, which is Cayman Musical Instruments Corporation. Um here's their list of brands. So all of these brands are currently Fender brands. Okay. Ovation. I'm just gonna hit the big names. Ovation sure. Uh, Takamini, Hamer, Jensbenz, uh, Gibraltar Hardware, Toka, Gretsch, Drums. I think only Gretsch Drums, not Gretsch Guitars. That's wild. Only Gretsch Drums. Uh, LP Music, Charvel, Sabian, uh, Lee Oscar, Harmonicas. So those are kind of the big ones. So Fender did, they killed off Hamer, if I recall correctly. They killed off the USA shop. I don't know if they're still doing import stuff. I hope that they do, but they're probably weaning that off too. So I'm going to throw this out there now that this is all this is all jogging memory for me, but I hadn't thought about the old ovations at this time. Bender needs to bring back the ovation electric guitar. Uh, like bring back a breadwinner or something yeah. like that? They had a couple other really funky designs. Yeah. Uh, who's making... Isn't Eastwood making a breadwinner copy right now? 
Fender needs to bring it back, and then they need to sue Eastwood. <laughs> Fender needs to sue a lot of people because <laughs> everybody and their mom and their second cousin, twice removed, is making Fender copies these Maybe, days. Maybe you know. What? I wonder if Fender actually can't manufacture them because Eastwood is doing it. Oh, I don't know. Because Ovation was the original manufacturer, and then they like stopped. And it's been like tw- tw- now it's been almost probably thirty years since the last breadwinner yeah, the, uh, was built. The rights might have died on that, or people are just like, "We don't want to do that. Why would we fight for it?" Yeah, but it's like it's funny with the Eastwood versions of them; they're slightly more expensive than what you would pay for an original one if you found it on the used market, right? Depending on condition, yeah. But uh, they're definitely funky guitars. We should post a picture of one of those because we're talking about them so much. For sure. Uh, but I'll post a picture of that bass on the uh, Facebook group so that you can see it when you're listening to this episode so you can see what we're talking about. Yeah. So I got the next ad. I'm calling this the, ja- the Jazz Guar. This thing is cray cray. This was also sent to us by Co, right? Yeah. Yeah, another ad from Co. Sometimes a wacky idea really comes together. So this is the the description from the eBay listing. Yeah. Okay. This is a true parts guitar, but a killer one. Plays and sounds great and very unique look. Yeah, it is. That's that's for sure. I envisioned a guitar made with a full-size jazz body. So I had a friend build such a body with a standard guitar neck pocket. An awesome added feature is the ability for the body to work with either a 24-inch scale neck, excuse me, which it now has, or a standard 25.5-inch scale neck, Strat, Tele, etc. Just move the bridge back to the second set of holes. See last photo for long-scale use. So Uh, it could be... Okay, I'm I'm just going to let you finish reading it. Neck is from a genuine 60th anniversary Japanese Fender Jaguar. Uh, These necks alone can fetch $300 here on eBay. This one is in excellent condition. Bridge and vibrato are standard Fender Jaguar units. Vibrato has been disabled for enhanced tuning, stability, and sustain. Pickups are reproduction of Burns Trisonic units. Sounds great. Plays great. Looks great. And so unique. I could part this guitar out if I wanted to, except A, I can't be bothered, and B, I'd like this guitar to stay intact and to be played. You, the winning bidder, will do as you wish, of course. Of course. Um, so just to back this up. Doesn't he have a note at the bottom that he doesn't want people to take it apart? No, he said you can do Here, as you wish. Pass it to me. It says you can do as you wish. I believe you. This sold for $305. I just threw that on the floor. Um, so just to recap, this is a jazz bass body with a Jaguar neck on it. It's crazy. For some reason, like the, because of the bridge swapping, the thought of, Hey, I've got a, I've got a bass body. I've got a guitar neck. Let's slap them together. Like has never crossed my mind. Now I realize this was custom made. So this guy took jazz based specs and then put a smaller neck on it but uh it's the body is so big yeah the body is huge on this <laughs> it looks like a it looks like a a guitar that got elephantitis 
<laughs> or like it got stung by a bunch of bees or something. It's all swollen. So we, when I first saw this, I wasn't sure if I loved it or hated it. What do you think now? I'm still not sure. I feel like if... If I end up loving this thing, I'm going to hate that I love it. Right? Yeah. It's... Uh, I don't know, man. This is really tough. I really like the finish. The finish is neat. It's so crazy that there's the extra set of holes so you could swap next. In case, but, in case 24-inch scale just isn't for you. Yeah, but hey, you can't put a base neck on this because there's no holes for that bridge. <laughs> Even, I guess you could put a short scale base neck on this, but it would still look insane because the body's so huge. Yeah, I don't know. It kind of, you know, it's it's interesting. It has those Burns pickups in it because in a way it does remind me of the old Burns. Uh, I can't remember what the model's called. Uh-huh. But uh, the Burns used to make a model that kind of just had this big bulky body to it it wasn't that big though no but this you thing know. is crazy and it looks like it was refinished there's like some red paint poking out near well, the bridge the guy said that this uh this guitar was like built for to his spec i don't think that means the that his friend cut that body i think i think he took an existing body and like just cut the neck yeah i think he means assembled to his spec oh uh, but will a guitar neck just slap into a bass body? I don't think they're the same. He might have done some... It looks a little rough around the neck pocket. He might have cut it down. Mm. Instead of instead of trying to uh, cut, like cut whole, a whole body, he might have taken a bass body and just cut down that heel to hmm. fit a guitar neck. You know what I mean? Because the bass neck yeah. is going to be wider right. at the heel. Still, though, that's nuts. <laughs> like, emotionally, I don't know how to process oh this. Oh, my gosh. Are you having a moment? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like, I do some weird stuff to guitars. I this don't. is the next step in your evolution. Starting putting guitar you, necks on basses. But you need three sets of holes. One for 24-inch, one for 25-inch, <sighs> and one for, like, 30-inch. I think if I was going to start going that weird, I'd start getting into double necks. I'd go double neck weird before I went that weird. So I've got one more ad here. Yeah, this is really music. Uh, it's only related. $75. It's in, nice. your, it's in your part of town, Steve. Yeah. Uh, this this showed up on Craigslist a couple weeks ago, and I don't think I showed it to you, but I just thought it was funny. It is a marble bust of Bach. It is signed triple explanation points. By Bach? Not by Bach. Oh. Yeah, he didn't sign the bust of himself. Uh, Bach bust imported from Italy. It's Carrera marble signed by Gianelli, uh, 1983. Uh, bust is cast in bonded Carrera marble. Each detail, detail is finished with care by the artisans of Italy's Erigia workshop mounted on a solid alabaster base. The great composer series Bach nine inches tall. $185 appraisal value due to the collectible quality of the sculpture and that it is signed. All capitals are signed. What would you do with this? I don't know. <laughs> it's just funny when stuff like this shows up in the music section of Craigslist. Because I know the person who's selling this probably isn't a musician. They probably got it in an estate sale. 
Right. And they're like, oh, who who wants a Bach bust? Oh, I remember watching, you know, Peanuts cartoons. You know, the, the right. guy who plays piano has a bust on his piano. People are going to want this for their piano. Do you think this is better or worse than, like, the baby boomer mom? Uh, which is to say, like, a person of a our A bust par- of a baby boomer no, mom? No, uh, the person of our parents' age that owns, like, a Velvet Elvis painting. I didn't know that was a baby boomer thing. I thought that was older than them. Uh, well, the boomers were, like, all teenagers, I guess, towards the end of Elvis. I think this is, like, something that people do when they're trying to be classy. Right. But then really it just comes across like, what is that all about? Why do you have a bust of some dude in a wig? Right. If I was going to get a marble bust, I'd have it done to myself. And I'd have it be like the ones at Disneyland in, in the Haunted Mansion, where when you walk past them, it looks like it's watching you. The only comment I can make on this um, is definitely inappropriate, so I'm going to skip it. <laughs> um Let's just say it involves the word bust. Okay, so Steve isn't going to tell us the comment, but he's going to hint at it. So you can come up with your own dirty comments. Yeah. Uh, if you think you figured out Steve's dirty comment. Send us an email. Yeah, send us an email or post it on post the it Facebook on group. group. <laughs> just have it say, this is what I think Steve was trying to say. And I've given us, I gave that small hint, but I'm actually thinking of something really specific. So you probably need to rewind about two minutes and listen really closely to the description this is so stupid because i've got something really specific in mind oh my gosh yeah check in next week to see who won i'm gonna this is a nobody wins this is a sound of me crumpling up this paper and throwing it across the room i heard your son hates the sound of crumpled paper yeah well my son's not here right now yeah that's true he's at he's at his grandparents oh i thought they just went upstairs no Awesome. They walked over to my family's house to get dinner. That's right. We live walking distance from my family. Yeah. You got a problem with that? Hey. I think it's cool. Okay. I think we're <laughs> done with ads. <laughs> yeah, we're done with ads for the week. Uh, so topic. we are. This was already brought up on the Facebook group and various other groups. Uh, and a listener who works for Gibson apparently sent, us to, uh, sent it to us. Yeah, so we got this email. It says, hey, guys. So Gibson is rolling out some changes in their 2015 product line, as y'all have heard and posted about. I guess we'll see how the changes take with their guitar slinging population. My question is, do you guys think the changes are an indication of where guitars are heading in the future? And is Gibson, being one of the older companies, trying to lead the way in that direction by instituting these changes ahead of time? As a Gibson Memphis employee, which is, I think... They make acoustic guitars there, or do they I make, or is that custom shops? So I'm not totally sure. Uh, I think what that, are their? They have three plants right now, right? I think Memphis so. and Memphis, Nashville, and Montana. I think. Yeah, that sounds right. We could be um, super wrong, though. You know, what? I want to say I think Memphis might be like I don't know what Memphis is. Let's just okay. not. Okay. Okay. Whatever. Um. We should have researched this. Whatever. <laughs> uh, I think that might be more of what's going on. If these questions didn't make sense, he gives us his phone number. That's that's enough. There's a PS here, uh, but that's great. Um, but this is from uh, Paul Stroud from, and I guess he works for Gibson Memphis. Pretty wild. The people that we have who listen to the show, yeah, who work places. It's like 
okay, why are they listening to our show? I wish we were listening to their show. Right. Sort of thing. You know? I heard a couple weeks ago that uh, Brian uh, Wampler from Wampler Pedals has his own podcast. Uh-huh. I haven't listened to it yet because I'm afraid that once I listen to it, I'm going to be like, why am I even doing a podcast? <laughs> well, maybe we can do some cross uh, podcasting with him or something like that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we've both voiced our opinions and questions about this on the Facebook group, but I realize a lot of our listeners probably aren't on the Facebook group actively. Uh, so it makes it feel a little bit more awkward knowing that, you know, someone who works for Gibson is addressing this to us. Um, so, so basically, I don't want to like step on toes or anything, but it is like, in my mind, it is a negative thing. The things that are happening. Yeah. So basically Gibson is rolling out a bunch of new stuff for 2015, their 2015 line. They're rolling it out. It's, it's revamped. Uh, yeah, it's revamped. Um, and I'm not going to go through the list. If you Google uh, Gibson 2015, um, you can find some information. Reverb actually wrote an article about it. Uh-huh. Uh, we f- From there, on uh, our conversation on the group, somebody posted an article about it. Basically, like this is the rundown. Um, all Gibson USA guitars, except for like three specific models, uh-huh. are getting uh, what they call the G-Force tuning system, which is basically an updated version of the Mini-Tune, which was on some of the 2014 models, which in itself was an update of the robot tuning yeah. from a few years it's ago. It's a mechanical auto-tuning device that is attached to the headstock. Yeah, so now all of the 2015 models apparently have this. Yeah. Um they're doing uh, a lot of the guitars are getting new pickups. They're not. They're not. Which wasn't actually mentioned in that thing, uh, in that one in either article that I saw. Uh, but they're getting um, new pickups. A lot like that new uh, Gibson SG special has. They call them sixty one vintage pickups uh-huh. uh, instead of the traditional. I think that one had the four ninety four ninety combo. Yeah. Um. All of these guitars now have holograms. They've got holograms on them. Uh, they've re- they've revamped the uh, Les Paul on the Les Pauls. They've revamped the signature panel that's on the every Les not every Les Paul headstock, but most Les Paul headstocks say Les Paul model, and it's this cursive signature. Uh huh. I didn't. I mean, I guess I should have known. I just never really thought about it that that's not actually Les Paul signature. Um. So the new models. Will have Les Paul's signature, like his handwriting. Like it's, uh, yeah, it's his handwriting for the Les Paul logo, and it says Les Paul one hundred. Uh, I, I guess this year would be his one or twenty fifteen is his one hundredth birthday. I guess something like that. Um, I think that yeah. Um, so they they're getting that. There sounds like there's maybe going to be a hologram on the back as well. Um, yeah. They also aren't they widening the necks? They're widening like the neck a fraction a of an inch. Yeah, I forget what the exact it's number like 0.08 is. Point zero eighth of an inch or something. Yeah, it's pretty small. Um, but because also, it's something that you're you're always putting your hands over, I think that's something players will notice. For sure, sure. sure. Uh, especially if someone is a huge Gibson fan, you know, they're going to be like, "Why is this neck different?" Uh, they also have completely changed the nut. There's some kind of fancy 
adjustable nut that has like a zero fret function. Yeah, so they have is all of their guitars are now going to have zero frets. Yeah, well, it's not a traditional zero fret. It is a nut that has a built-in zero fret. Oh, okay. And it's adjustable in a way. Because a big complaint has with Gibsons has been the setup out of the factory. And people who are Gibson fanboys will be like, well, they leave it set that way so that there's room for you to go in and have your uh, your guitar tech make it just the way that you want it to be. Right. So there's room to carve away at it sort of thing. Uh, so this is more of a, a thing that where you can set it up quickly yourself. Yeah, it's going to be an adjustable nut. It's supposed to be easy to to adjust. They're also changing the way that you adjust the bridge. Right. Where instead of adjusting it by using the thumb screws, you can adjust it using a hex. The way I read uh, it, drive. The way I read it is that it has the thumb screws and it has a hex. Yeah. So you could do both on the on the tunematic bridges that I've had. That have th- thumb screws. They're with my hands. It's not hard to tune uh, to uh, twist that thumb screw. But I understand other people might have trouble with that. Well, I almost I think it might almost be something where uh, with using the hex driver, it might be something where you don't even need to detune the guitar, right? To to adjust the thumb screw, so you like because you're going to have the extra torque. Right, um, using a using a small tool. No, I can I can turn I can turn thumb screws without detuning the huh. guitar. Yeah, I think it has to do with uh, how smooth the screw is. Gotcha. Yeah, or the the break angle of the string could affect it too, um, and also the strength of your hands. If you got weak hands. Uh, you might not be able to adjust guitars the way that sure. I can. I just you know. You're just so your hands are so yeah, ripped. I don't, I don't want to brag, but yeah. Oh my god. Spend a lot of time on my hands at the gym. So w- one of the biggest actually one of the biggest features I think that's going to kind of come out of this is neat is all of the Gibson USA models are going to come with hard shell cases now apparently. I'm surprised they didn't before. Yeah, they no, uh the the case that came with your SG is probably the case that it came with. Yeah, but that's from 96. Yeah, but that would be yeah the, that would be the before period, right? But still, it's an SG special. It's not. I I always assumed that if you got a really nice Gibson, that it came with a case, right? But the 2015 SG special comes with a case. Interesting. So they all come with cases now. I think the thing that re- people are really upset about is the price hike up on these. Some of them are going up, you know, a hundred dollars. Some of them are going up a couple hundred dollars. Uh. One of the, one of the Les Pauls is going up a thousand dollars from the 2014 model. Uh, something like close. It's close. I think to, it's like six hundred. I mean, after taxes and everything. Yeah, but you would have paid taxes. Yeah, on the yeah. Other one. No, I thought it was closer to a thousand. Maybe. So I, what's going? Maybe on, I looked at older information. What's going on with some of them that makes it hard to figure out? That makes it tricky. Um, and that's why I brought this. I actually brought the GC, the Guitar Center mailer that just came out like uh-huh. a week ago, and it has some of the new ones and the old ones. Um, so I can kind of like swap back and forth. Is that a lot of the models um, have price? The 2014s have price dropped, so the pr- price difference is a thousand dollars. But if you would have bought a 2014 in January, in January you would have okay. paid more. So this is a this is. So I'm going to go over kind of some of the prices that are out now. Um, but here, but here's the thing, oh, too. Sure. It's been a complaint for years 
that Gibson has already overpriced their stuff. Yeah. And, you know, the a big point I was making on the group is that for what you could pay for one of these new Gibsons, you could go to a small builder who's going to devote, like, all of his professional time to building your specific guitar for that same amount of money and get something that's going to be equal or better to sure. one of these Gibsons. Absolutely. And but you know, it's the, the downside to that is it's not going to have the resale value right. right out the door as a USA Gibson, but you're going to have a guitar that's built specifically for you. Yeah. The new, uh, the 2015 Gibson Les Paul standard is $3,759.99. Basically 30, let's go just call it 3,800. Right. $3,800. I mean, Cower, Pure Salem, Roni, uh, no, Pure Salem. Pure Salem's way cheaper than that. Yeah. Well, no, no. That's my point. Right. Right. It's like, is uh, you know, Ronin is on the cusp of that Veritas. Oh yeah. You can get a uh, Ronin for four grand. Easy. You know, there's all of these companies that you're either way above their price point or you're like yeah. around. You can get the a range. Fano. You can get you know, exactly a Bill. You can get a Duesenberg. You can get Duesenberg. You can get two Duesenberg. Uh, yeah, you can. Depends get close on the model. Two Duesenbergs. There's a lot of things that you can get multiples of a, instead of buying yeah. one of these. You could get three USA Fenders. Yeah, you can get three Fender standards, uh, Fender standards Strats or Telecasters. Yeah, for this. you could you could go out and buy multiple uh, Gibsons from the good years of the mid to late '90s to early 2000s. Sure, you yeah. could you could spend that money and get way more guitar. Um, is is my issue. So so these are so the standard is one of the ones that went up the most. The 2014 was a uh, 3269. This one's 3759, so it's basically uh fi- that one's $500. I think that's right. the biggest jump. And again, it's a little confusing right now because with the price drop now the 2014s uh the 2014 standard. Oh, that's the standard plus. Uh, which actually isn't even in here. So that might not even be a fair comparison. I just realized that. Yeah, it might not I, be. I'm an idiot. <laughs> well, here's a, here we go. The the Les Paul traditional 2014 uh, is 2300 The new Les Paul traditional is 2879 So 23 to 28580 That's still a pretty basically. good bump in a year, man. Yeah. Um, I mean, for, for a bunch of features that a lot of people aren't even asking for, yeah, and I think that's the biggest thing for a lot of people is some of these features are definitely things that some of them are things that are kind of experimental and you're going, okay, that's that's interesting. Yeah. Like the nut is kind of interesting. I'm not sure what to think about the it. The nut doesn't bother me because that's the sort of thing. It's like, hey, if it works and you're going to use that forever, you know, 100 years from now, that same nut's going to be on there and people are going to be using it. Yeah, I think the thing I think the thing that throws a lot of people is the tuners. The tuners for sure. Because Absolutely. That tune everyone knows those tuning systems by themselves cost like just the the controller unit is probably like 100, 200, 300 bucks. So it's like, hey, how about you raise the price of a guitar's 200 bucks to ca- cover all the other yeah. features? Most of us don't, just want don't put that. these tuners on there. Yeah, I've I haven't researched this, but I wonder if you took that tuner assembly off, is there any big holes that left, that's left by it? Like, is there a gap, sure. gap in the wood? Like, I just look at that technology and I imagine it's like the various different things that we've seen come and go since the 70s and the 80s 
where they put a big piece of technology in something and then a decade later it's obsolete or it's broken. Right. And you have to replace it with a functioning just mechanical thing and you can always tell that there used to be something else there. Yeah. Like if you take off the robot tuner after the servos and it break, how weird is it going to look? Right. So so the uh, the Les Paul traditional, like I said, that one drop jumps um, like 600 bucks. I'm assuming you can use those tuners manually too without there being battery power yeah, to it. Yeah, I think so. That would be awful if you couldn't. But I'm assuming you can do that. Because I can't see myself popping a fresh battery in my guitar right. like all the time, you know? And uh, that thing's got to take some juice, like moving all the, the tuning heads. I think you have to charge them. It's a charging system? Yeah, and I think that was one <sighs> of the complaints with the mini tune. And I'm, unless I'm thinking of a... I might be thinking of the robot guitar. I, I'm not sure. I might be confusing the so system. There's a, so there's like a proprietary battery pack? I'm not sure how it works. It better be like a nine volt or something, because if it's a proprietary battery pack, that thing's not going to last a decade. I think with the robot guitars, you had to like plug them in to tune them, and that's why those ones didn't work for a lot of people. I'm not sure about this uh-huh. new system because the mini tune is a little different. Um, I will say, uh, like I said, the biggest price jump is probably like five to six hundred bucks. I think one of the things that is throwing a lot of people off is. There's not a ton of publication on the low-end models and where those are being priced. The Gibson Les Paul Special Double Cut is in here at uh, $1,100. Yeah. A lot of people are confused by the fact that for a while, Gibson was pushing all these like kind of uh, Doug Cower from Cower Guitars. He called them loss leader models, and that's what they were. Right. They were guitars that were sold for less than what they were worth. Uh, to get people hooked on Gibson. Right. Stuff like the Les Paul Faded series. Yeah. The uh, BFG Les Paul. Like just all of these kind of like sub $1,000 Les Paul models uh, or le- sub $1,000 Gibson models that were coming out with all these satin satin finishes and uh-huh. matte finish, no finish, whatever. Um, that were kind of getting people who were on the cusp of Gibson to buy in and then you know you play your Les Paul fade and you do I really like this. I'm ready to step up to the classic or the studio sure, or, or whatever. Sure. It's like the entry level. Right. But it's still a really nice playing guitar, but it doesn't have that fit and finish, you know. Right, right. Um so now it there's questions about does that line do those lines exist? The cheapest one I've been able to find is is like the LP the cheapest carve top is the LPM model and I'm not sure what the cost on that one was, but it was more than I really wanted to think about. Right. Uh, oh, uh, eleven fifty. Um, I think the studios are like a solid twelve hundred, twelve fifty now, something like that. Yeah. Um. So there's that. At the same time, I think by jumping uh, the thousand dollar mark, there's there's a big mental shift there. Yeah. The Gibson, the 2014 Gibson SG Special was 979. The 2015 is 1079. Well, you get up all these new features, and now you get a hard case instead of a gig bag. Yeah. So just from switching from gig bag to hard case, that's basic, close to a hundred dollar upgrade right yeah, there. Yeah, that's nice. It's that that sort of thing is normal. I th- I think like what we said, 
the features that people aren't asking for is the thing that's really pe- putting people off. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, if you're looking at, if you've got the money, you're probably not really deserving to get too upset over paying 3500 when you were paying 3000 yeah, or something like that. Yeah, let's be honest. You know? Like, a lot of guys that are in our, our type of situation are probably going and opening a Guitar Center credit card and take... Taking advantage of, you know, 12 months or 24 months, 0% financing. And, you know, realistically, like, raising prices is something all the companies are due. Uh, Fenders raised the price on the standard series, like, 150 bucks over the last decade or so. Yeah, but that's a decade, man. It's a decade, but it's, I know when they jumped from, when they started creeping out from like 350 to 400, uh huh. No one, no one really noticed, but when it jumped from 399 to 499, all of a sudden people were like, wait, wait, what just happened? Yeah. Here's, here's the thing that I think could smooth this over. And maybe, what's the name of our listener who sent this in? Uh, Paul. Paul, maybe Paul can clue us in on this. Maybe there's some stuff going on behind the scenes that we don't know about. But remember, this is going to be very uh, West Coast centric. Remember when the prices went up at In-N-Out like a bunch of years ago? No. Like it went from where you could get like uh, like your full meal for under five bucks to where it became like six and a half bucks. Right. And when that happened, I think I was in college. And so I was going through the drive through and I asked the guy. Dude, when you were in college, I didn't have my driver's license yet. <laughs> I asked the guy, whoa, why did the prices go up? And he looked me in the eye and he said, so they can pay us better. And I, <laughs> and I looked at him like, good enough for me, man. Yeah. If, yeah. if someone came out and said, you know, prices are going up at Gibson, but the workers are getting better, better health care, everyone would be like, Oh, cool. Yeah. That'd be, that's great. And there's definitely things about, like I said, like for all the low end models, all of the special models, like now you get a hard case. That's, yeah, that's a cool upgrade. Um, I definitely understand that, that over the course of time, like things just have to get more expensive. Things can always be cheap. I mean, nobody's complaining like, oh, Fender USA is like $1,200 now, but it used to be $250. Yeah, but that was yeah, 50 years ago. you used to be able to buy a Ford Mustang for $2,700, I think. You can still get a Mustang for $2,700. <laughs> it's just not new. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a Mustang 2 from the 70s yeah. with no engine. And it's going to be it's going to be convertible permanently. <laughs> um, so, so, I mean, I think if there was more of a price creep, people, pro- you know... Wouldn't have made, made people probably wouldn't even have noticed. Sure. Um, and there's because I think there's certain things that we don't think about that are realistic. Um, again, uh, Doug Cower mentioned that the cost of materials uh, could be going up for Gibson. And cost of materials as gas prices go up nationally, which I think gas prices right now uh-huh. are close to a national all time high. Sure. Um, you know, as those prices go up, the cost of transporting stuff, the cost of shipping stuff internationally, all of those costs are going up. So prices have to go up. Sure. And a lot of places are, are raising minimum wage right now. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how that is in Tennessee, but, you know, places all over the West Coast are raising minimum yeah. wage right now. And on top of that, you know, if if uh, if some of these prices are going up, you know, be, because of that or because of transportation or because, you know, 
we always think of a big guitar company like Gibson as having like hundreds and hundreds of employees, but from what I've heard, they don't. It's yeah, they're we've, a relatively small operation. Yeah. We've talked about this before that the companies that we think of as being major operations have much less and being very famous brands have much less going on than we realize. And they're spending a lot of money in marketing and they're, they've really got their face out there and they're probably licensing their brand to be put on shirts and stuff like that. But in reality, they don't have that many people working for them in the, you know, producing the actual equipment. Yeah. So, so to hit kind of Paul's second point, because I do think it's important, I, I do think it's an important thing is, um, uh, is he says, uh, do you think guys think the changes? I guess these are more of the questions questions that were we were really being asked and not about Gibson's money <laughs> issues. Um, are the indications uh, are these changes an indication of where guitars are headed in the future? And uh, is Gibson trying to lead the way by instituting these changes ahead of time? I think the changes that Gibson is making, the changes Gibson are making. That's an awkward sentence. I think the changes that have been made are things that are future thinking. But I think because Gibson is a traditional brand, people don't want them to innovate. Yeah. Well, think people want Gibson. People see like, Oh, every instrument is plucked. That's innovation enough for me. Yeah. I mean, you think about it like in this mentality, you're some guy, you're a regular, you know, like working kind of guy, like middle-class, lower middle-class, whatever. You've been playing junk guitars your whole life. You have you have that midlife crisis, and you're like, finally, I'm going to buy that classic Les Paul, and I'm going to treat myself, and I'm going to buy it brand new off the shelf. Finally, I'm going to get myself a new guitar instead of buying junkers my whole life. Right. I'm going to treat myself. You go to the guitar store. Is this what you're planning on doing this, in 10 years? No, this is like this, a scenario that I'm spelling out. For yourself in 10 years. Uh, and, and you go to the store... You go to get, you know, that classic Les Paul off the wall, right. you know, your fantasy guitar, you're thinking of, you know, freaking Jimmy Page when you pick it up or whatever. Yeah. And it's got robot parts all over it. Right. That kind of ruins your fantasy. Yeah. And that's really like when you're buying a brand like Gibson, you're buying your, your kind of your music fantasies. No, you're buying into the mythos. You yeah. Know. And There's- the, and a robot tuning system isn't part of it in, you know, right now. No, I, you know, think of it this way, like Gibbs or Fender is coming out with these, these card swappers on the deluxe, yeah. the tone, tone, tone card. Yeah. We've talked about those. Um, I'm not a fan, uh, but they're doing it on one model. They're doing it on right. the Fender American deluxe plus. Right. So they're trying something new. They're doing it on like a single model. Now, Fender, I think in the past when they did uh, in the 90s, like the R- Roller Nuts, was that only the Deluxe mo- series or was that all the American models? I don't think it was all the American models. I think it was specific guitars. Okay. So so the either way, like the, the idea is like when Fender has done some innovating recently, but they've been trying it out on like individual like – Let's do it on one model. Let's make it a higher end model or, you know, they've done it on some of their lower end models. They've put the Roland pickup on both like a Mexican fender and the American version of the Roland Stratocaster, the Roland ready with the uh, GK five or whatever, GK four. Sure. Whatever the synth pickup is. Um, But they've done that on one model. They're not rolling out like 
all Fender guitars now Roland ready. Like, yeah, because there are people that want a Roland ready guitar, but most of us, when we buy a Stratocaster or a Telecaster, like we want something that when we look at it, we say, Oh, this is like, just like the Telecaster that Buck Owens played. This is yeah. just like the Stratocaster that, uh, Buddy Holly played or, you know, whatever. So, yeah, I think I I can definitely see what he's saying. Like Gibson is is definitely trying out new stuff, and I think right. some of it will stick. I think the nut uh, is a really interesting feature. That if the nut works, there's no reason why it can't yeah, stay if the, there. If the nut works, I think a lot of people are going to like it. Yeah, I think the retooling on the bridge, like if that's really functional, people are going to be fine. People with it. are really going to like it. The robot thing, put it on one model. Do a yeah. Because in 2014 they had like the studio, the studio E or something. They had uh-huh. like a specific model that had the mini tuner on it or the mini E or whatever. Or make it a separate called. option where if you want to order a guitar with that, then it comes with it. Sure. Or you could order, or you could go a hundred dollars cheaper and get standard tuners. Exactly. But then you got a that just gets confusing for yeah. retailers. Then you got an extra guy in the assembly line too. Yeah, but uh, yeah, you know, it's just uh, I think they've stretched out too far on this. Yeah, um, but that's just me. I think that's a lot more people than just you. Uh, there's there is that hologram though. The hologram. Yeah, you know, it's it's a lot like those holograms in the balance bracelets. Oh. I was talking about on the uh, on the group. And the function of that, you know, the balance bracelets, if you've got one of those on, you can't be pushed over. Right, right. So you put one of those suckers on your guitar, suddenly you don't have any more headstock breaking issues with your Gibson. You can't push that guitar over. All I, all I know is if you want balanced tone, but like the sickest tone you can get, whatever yeah. you do, if you want the sickest tone, do not rub essential oils into your guitar. <laughs> Otherwise, you will not be able to get the sickest. Oh tub. my gosh your your body your your guitar body will be healthy throughout. Yeah, body, yeah. soul, and spirit. Do not lubricate your guitar with essential oils. <laughs> Otherwise, you will not be able to get oh the sickest. Oh my gosh! Tub. Uh, what is the best uh, crystal for me to worship to get the best uh, guitar tone? I'm a big fan of amethyst. Oh, okay. I'm kind of a quartz guy. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's pretty pedestrian, but yeah, I just like quartz. <laughs> I would be more of an emerald guy, but I just can't afford it. Yeah, emeralds are neat; they're all yeah. green. Now it sounds like we're talking about the Gibson Gem series from the nineties. Oh man, uh, we don't have anything more to say about this. No, do we? we really shouldn't. Yeah, I think we're done. Uh, this has been episode thirty-eight. Yep. Uh, oh, hey, did you guys enjoy the mini episode last week? Oh, yeah. That was pretty cool from Nick Jude. Uh, yeah. I, we're hoping that we get more of those from Nick and also from the rest of you guys. So, yeah, send it to us. Yeah, yeah, record some pedal demos, send them to us. You don't even have to mention us in it. You can post them other places so it doesn't have to be, have to be specific to us. Yeah. We're not going to claim any legal ownership over them or anything. It's, no, we'll just uh, throw on a little intro part and yeah. uh, we'll post it up. Um and hopefully we'll get to do some more of those in the future. Ryan and I have already talked about maybe doing some of that kind of stuff with our own gear. Yeah. We want uh, to start throwing out so. some extra treats midweek for you guys. Delicious. I mean, it's not enough to only listen to our beautiful, smooth voices once a week, right? Oh, yeah. You need a little more. We know you need a little more. Uh, thankfully, we have a song 
for yeah. for this episode. Uh, we didn't have any songs sent to us for like two weeks straight. I put out a thing today, and uh, we got two songs right away. So we've got a song for this episode and the next episode. Uh, this song is from Kyle Swisher, and it's called A Wash. And I really dig it. I don't know if you got a chance to listen to it, Steve. I haven't. It hits a lot of the flavors that I love from kind of like late 90s power pop to kind of like early 90s uh, noise alternative sort of thing. Like kind of straddles this line between Fountains of Wayne and Sonic Youth and uh, like Brian Jonestown Massacre and stuff like that. I think it's a really fun song. It's really neat. I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, like I said, it is from Kyle Swisher. Yeah, he says uh, for the main guitar part, he used a Warmoth Parts Jazzmaster into a full-tone tube tape echo into a Swart SST-30. And then for the solo, he used an early K-Line Telecaster. Nice. So those are uh, some pretty nice pieces of gear there. Yeah, they definitely, like you can definitely hear that Jazzmaster kind of jangle in here. Like it's right. it's got that, Definitely, like I said, definitely like a Sonic Youth influence floating around in there that I that I really dig. All right, guys, uh, see you next week.